Leaders, what keeps you up at night? Welcome to The Sweet Spot, the podcast series that expands the traditional term of what a boss is to tackle some of the most important issues in business. From business as usual and growing your market to everyday leadership issues or handling one in 100 year events, we aim to provide ongoing inspiration and education for CEOs, founders, management, shareholders and leaders of every stripe. The Sweet Spot is the future of work and business. Hi, I'm Lashan Trevedi, and in today's episode, I will be speaking with Jordan Rondell. Jordan first experienced baking as a young girl while visiting her grandparents in Paris. Years later, a conversation with her father changed her career forever. She is now known in New Zealand as the caker, owns her own store in Auckland, is the author of four recipe books and has now expanded operations in LA. Listen on as she tells us her journey and how she plans on becoming a household name. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jordan. No worries. There's so much that I wanted to chat to you about today, um, but let's start right from the beginning. Tell us about your trip to Paris when you were a little girl and how that kind of you know inspired your love for baking. Yeah, so um, so my dad is French, and so my grandparents and basically his whole side of the family live in France still. Um, and so we would do, my sister and I would go and see our grandparents every year, basically. We're really close with them. And so, um, and we would spend kind of like the summer holidays there, you know. Um, and I guess one of my earliest memories of like being in the kitchen with them was the moment I think I sort of fell in love with baking and um, creating particularly desserts, but also cooking in general. Um, But I think, you know, there's one quite clear memory of when I'm five and I'm sort of, you know, just tall enough to reach the bench. And um, my, my pappy had just gone to the market and like got all these amazing fresh strawberries. And we were making, he was like off in one corner making jam and then, I was helping my granny make like a little tart as well. And I just, you know, it's just such a clear, a clear memory. And I remember how it smelled and everything. And I, I sort of pinpoint that to the moment that I fell in love with it. And I understand that you were studying um, commerce when a conversation with your father kind of, kind of changed your career forever. Tell us about this moment and, and what was the advice he gave you? Yeah, so I guess I'd been baking a cake sort of every day while I was at uni and I would, you know, get home from uni, I sort of push the books aside and, um, and get in the kitchen. And then one day I just made a particularly good cake. Um, it was the recipe that I'd made up myself. And as I do, I, you know, I shared it around because it was that, that's what it was about for me was sort of sharing it. And he was like, you know, you're obviously obsessed with this. You're really good at it. Like, why don't you sort of think about doing something about this? And so I think that same night or maybe the next day, I decided to create a blog, which blogs were kind of all the rage back then. And basically, I had no idea really what I was doing or what the intention was, but um, I just sort of started like sharing some recipes and posting photos. And um, within a few weeks, I had sort of realized I could make a bit of a business out of it. And actually started it as like a subscription service so people could sign up for maybe six weeks and they would get a cake delivered to their door every six weeks oh sorry every week for six weeks 
and um, and that's sort of how it started. Yeah. Did you have any expectations at all uh, when you were when you first started to you know write recipes and create this blog? I truly didn't. I honestly didn't. Um, and maybe that's part of why this has all been so magical. Like it was never really about money. Was never an incentive at all. It was literally just about kind of being able to put my passion. Um, into a more physical form that I could share with people. And, and that's how, yeah, that I, I didn't know that it was going to snowball. <laughs> that sort of brings me to the next question. I mean, what was your reaction when people were sort of messaging you overnight to, hey, you know, can you bake this cake for me? Like, what was, I mean, as a young, you know, in your late, in your early 20s, that must have been quite, you know, how did you cope with all the success? No, it was stressful. It was stressful because I, I was working you know, a part-time job. I hadn't quite finished uni yet in that first year. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't really remember how it all unfolded, but all I knew was that I had to quit the job and I had to quickly find a place to bake from that wasn't my home kitchen because, you know, I, I couldn't keep doing it there. And so that was the next big step was finding a place that I could register and, and bake from, you know, in a more sort of professional way. And that took me ages to find that place. But when I did, that's when things really took off. Um, so, yeah. When you were, you know, starting this out on your blog, where did you end up before the commercial kitchen? Where did you end up baking all the cakes? Well, I was baking them from home in the very beginning. But that only lasted for like three months before I really realized that I couldn't do that. And that, you know, this was a thing. And I, and I was going to make a career out of this. So I sort of hooked up a friend, hit up a friend who um, I knew had a kitchen that he wasn't really using out the back of his little coffee shop. And, um, and I bought my first oven and, you know, it was tiny, tiny, tiny. But in that, in that two years I was there, I basically, you know, created my business and I I wrote a book in that time. And I sort of think back and it was, it seems like it was, um, you know, sort of, I, I don't remember being as busy as I am now back then, but certainly I did achieve a lot in those two years, I think. And what were some of the challenges that you faced uh, in starting this up? I mean, there, there was a lot. I think, um, I think one of the main ones was just doing every single part of the business myself. Um, and I, at, at the time I was so, so sort of afraid to like hand over any control that I was doing everything from like the accounting, you know, obviously all the baking, the recipe creation, the accounting, the cleaning, the, you know, the financials, the marketing, I was doing literally every aspect of it myself. And, um, I was starting to really burn out. And I think I, in doing that sort of was starting to lose my love for what I was doing a little bit. And so that was a really big challenge. Cause I questioned, you know, for the first time questioned it, I was like, do I want to do this or do I want a regular job that, you know, I have a regular nine to five. Yeah. Someone can tell me what to do and and I don't have to sort of, you know, be my own boss. And so that, I remember that being a really big, really big challenge for me. But then in my third year of business, um, my sister actually joined me and that's the day that everything changed. Yeah. Tell us about that. How did your sister join the business and what, what background did she have? So she actually had a a background in law. Um, she did, you know, her five-year degree at, at Auckland uni and got admitted to the bar and then did one year at a law firm, a big law firm. And she was doing, um, finance law. And I remember she, she went on holiday at the end of one year and she just 
she's messaged me saying, hey, how would you feel about me coming to work for the Kaker? And I think her, her immediate thought was that I would say no, because I'd sort of been like, no, I don't need help. I can do this all myself. Like, you know, so I think she was quite surprised when I was like, absolutely, please, I would do anything to have you. Because I was really, I think I was really starting to, I was at my wits end with everything. I was, I was completely run out, burnt out. And she, um, so she quit the law job, which was a really big decision because she'd worked obviously really hard to get there. And I think my parents were a bit like, oh, God, what's happening? Like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And, you know, her bosses really tried to get her to stay. And they said, you're going to work way harder in this small business than you you will have at this law firm. And she was like, whatever, I don't believe you. But then, you know, on her first week, she was like, okay, yeah, they were right. I get it. I'm, you know, this is like, this is like a 90-hour week. Like, this is, this is crazy. And, um... But she, she could see my need for help and she came in and she introduced some systems and some, you know, some things that really needed to change and all of a sudden it was like a proper business again, so. And I guess how important then is it to have that sort of support network around you when it comes to starting off a, a new business like this? I think it's crucial and I think, you know, I often get asked in interviews, like, if you could go back and tell your younger self one thing, <laughs> what would it be? And and I always say to, to ex- I wish I had accepted help sooner um, because even though I'm glad I did all that stuff myself in the beginning, I think um, I think it all, the success all could have skyrocketed a lot quicker if, if I'd accepted help sooner. You do need you do need support and you do need people with other other skills and knowledges. So mm. yeah. And um, when you were starting all this, did you have any people that were, you know, doubting you and saying, oh, no, don't do this. It's going to be like, oh, you know, putting those thoughts into your mind? A little bit. I think I think my parents, I mean, no, they were both really supportive, but I think probably my mum was a little bit, like, dubious about it. And um, and I, I think she could see how hard I was working, but not, not sort of, it wasn't, like, paying off yet, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, they, I mean... I think overall, though, it was like, well, okay, well, you're, you're doing a great thing and you're, you know, you're doing well from it. So that the overall like, feeling I got was that I was on the right path. And anyway, I wasn't going to listen to anyone telling me to stop. So <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love yeah. that. And what inspired you to sort of do dairy-free, vegan, gluten-free cakes? I mean, was it a glo- uh, global trend uh, at the time or was it a request by one of your customers um, or was it just a passion of yours that, you know, you wanted everyone to kind of enjoy uh, your cakes despite their, you know, in- any intolerances they may have? It was kind of all three of those reasons, honestly. But I think probably the main thing was demand. You know, I really did notice a huge shift in the demand for those types of dietary requirements. And I really wanted to be able to prove to people that you can have cake that still tastes incredible, even if it's vegan or even if it's gluten-free. And um, and I think, you know, I spent a lot of years developing recipes that taste pretty much the same as they, if, you know, as if they were made in the regular way. So it's a huge part of my business now. It's, you know, well over 50% of our orders uh, for vegan and gluten-free cakes. So, and how, I mean, how successful did it get? You know, how many, how many cakes were you baking? What was the turnover like? How busy were you getting after it all sort of started in K Road? Back then. So when, you know, when I had my first bakery, um, I'd say like a, I sort of base it on like a busy Friday as being the sort of marker for, you know, how busy we were. I'd say back then, a busy Friday would have been like 
50 cakes. Whereas today it's like 150 cakes. So, a day? Yeah. Oh, like on a, wow. on a busy Friday. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about the, the LA venture that you're currently planning on launching. Yeah. So I moved to LA uh, almost a, exactly a year ago now, which gosh seems crazy because it's gone by like that. Um, but basically it's been interesting because of, you know, the current state of affairs with COVID and everything, like our whole business plan has kind of changed, but I think we've ended up where we're really meant to be. Um, when we first got here, we were really planning on setting up a bakery and sort of recreating what we have in New Zealand and, um, and, you know, having this brick and mortar thing, but, we're actually really relieved we didn't end up signing a lease or, you know, spending hundreds of thousands of dollars building out a kitchen anywhere because really I think what our calling is here in the US is our cake kits. And so we're getting them manufactured in New York right now and in a matter of weeks we'll have them and we will be, you know, starting to sell them around the US. So, um it should be big because just of the sheer population of this country and um, the fact that we can now kind of ship globally, which we can't do from New Zealand, I think means that we, yeah, we should be able to really scale up with those. Oh, that's great. So obviously it's um, based in LA, but you do ship globally. So that expands yeah. it very much. That's, it expands that's it great. hugely. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's actually a very courageous because, you know, starting a second branch of business, that's not an NZ, but in a completely different country. That must have been a bit scary for you in the beginning. And especially now, you know, that it's about to launch. What are your emotions like at the moment? <laughs> oh, you have no idea. It's, yeah. I mean, it, this has been a long time coming. It's been a really big process. Like it's been kind of three years in the works. Um, because we're sort of back to like Anouk and I, so Anouk's my sister, Anouk and I are back to sort of doing everything ourselves with this new operation. We don't really have staff over here helping us. So we're doing, you know, again, sort of every aspect of, of this whole process. And um, we keep sort of seeing delays, like uh, we were supposed to have our products with us last week and then it sort of got pushed out another two weeks. And so Stress levels are very high. We we just want our products so we can start selling them. And yeah, we, we don't sleep very well. <laughs> um, we're a little bit stressed, but it's, I think, you know, I think it'll all work out. It's, it's good to be tested sometimes, I think. What is um, sort of, I, mean, I guess you probably uh, will know more about this when you launch, but what has your experience been so far with the business culture in L.A.? Honestly, it's not the reason, part of the reason we chose LA is that it's not too dissimilar to New Zealand. Um, I find the culture, culture to be quite similar. Uh, people are really into food here. They, um, they really support small business. They really support, uh, you know, new ventures. And um, yeah, I think, I mean, it, obviously it is a very different place, um, but it's, we just, taking it day by day and trying not, yeah, trying not to get too afraid by the differences. <laughs> and yeah. um, any specific reason why LA? Well, probably the first and foremost reason is that we wanted to live here. So, you know, it's, there's a few reasons, like it's a, it's a 12 hour direct flight to New Zealand. So that's, that was a big thing for us. Cause we did, you know, always want to keep going back to New Zealand 
Um, and last year I was traveling every six weeks back and forth. So it was a lot. Um, they have a, you know, a really thriving, amazing food scene here. So we, you know, I, I mean, I definitely saw a little niche that we could like slot nicely into with our cakes. Um, you know, the population, which I mentioned before, just means that there's just so much more opportunity. Um, the, the weather is obviously a really big one. It's just endless sunshine. It's kind of crazy. It's like right now there's a bit of a heat wave, so it's actually a bit uncomfortable, but, um, the weather was definitely a reason. Yeah. (laughs) And I guess, you know, being a young female in such a competitive hospitality industry, what has been your experience um, with other people in this industry? All really good experiences, I have to say. Um, I mean, I do get asked this a lot and, you know, people say, you know, as, as, yeah, again, as a young woman, you know, how have you, how have you found things in, I am in technically quite a male dominated industry. You think of pastry chef, you think of, you think of a burly, you know, man in a, in a kitchen, in a restaurant. And, um, but really I, I have just mostly experienced surprising levels of support and kindness along the way. And, um, and I'm, I, I feel really grateful for that because I, I know that it's not, it's not like that for other people and, I'm not sure what it is, but um, I, I just definitely, maybe it's just that I've, any any sort of difficulties I've come across, I have been happy to prove someone wrong or, you know, so like talking to a male landlord or something and they sort of make you feel dumb. I just, mm-hmm. I love to prove that. Patronizing. Yeah. Exactly what they're talking about. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, you're very resilient, Jordan. Um, And how have you had to sort of pivot your business um, during COVID-19? Well, in in New Zealand, we've had to pivot sort of a lot more than here because we were only just finding our feet here in the, you know, when this all started anyway. So it almost feels like things haven't changed too drastically with our USA business. But certainly in New Zealand, obviously with level four and, you know, having to close completely, it was, it was a bit of a shock um, and quite terrifying because, you know, we've got 16 staff that need to be paid and, you know, jobs that we, we don't want them to lose. And, you know, so we did have to find ways to, um, to pivot. And I guess there was a couple of things we did. We introduced something called a bubble cake, which is like a smaller sized cake to feed people in your bubble. So like a four to six slice thing. And those have been really, really popular. And I think we'll actually keep them on because um, that, yeah, just because of the sheer, you know, how popular they were. And then we did, we did a bit of a raffle as well, which actually was really cool. Um, the grand prize was an all-you-can-eat cake prize. Oh my so, god! <laughs> yeah, so Gina, our amazing winner, like, just has endless cakes. It's, it's actually really cool. Oh um, my and that gosh! Just, that just helped. Like, that just helped. Um, you know like pull us through and and then the everyone who bought a ticket gets it back in the form of cake credit so it worked it kind of worked for everyone um but yeah I'd say those those two things were like the biggest things that we did to pivot yeah mm, yum oh my gosh endless cakes oh that would be my dream yeah <laughs> um what is the best piece of of business advice that you have ever received gosh that's a hard one I've received you know a lot of advice but I think I think just to persevere and to, you know, just to fight through the hard times and to stick with it, I think has been 
the thing that's always really stayed in my mind. Um, you know, I could have given up several times by now, but my love for what I do and just, yeah, I think hard work and perseverance are, are probably, you know, the two, two biggest reasons for the Caker's success. So I would give that advice to anyone starting a small business. Yeah. And I, and I love the ingredients that you use. And I, and I want to talk in detail about the ingredients in the next question, but um, which I do feel like, I feel like it, it is your unique point of difference. Um, but before that, I wanted to ask, um, what is the most sort of creative ingredient that you've used? I mean, I know things like hemp, for example, are becoming increasingly popular. Is this something that you would explore in using? I don't know how legal it is to use hemp in cakes, but... No, isn't it? It's delicious, though. It has such a nice earthy flavour. Um, I haven't used a lot of a lot of hemp in particular, but in my recipe books, I definitely play around with some crazy stuff. Um and I guess one of my, one of my, I mean, I, I really love to use like savory ingredients in my baking. So, um, you know, I'll bring in, I'll bring in herbs, which you would normally find in like a dinner, you know, mm-hmm. like oregano or just things that you wouldn't normally associate with, with desserts. Um, I love miso at the moment. Like I love salty and sweet. So anything, anything salty is really good. Um, Gosh, what else? I mean, there's there's heaps of amazing different types of flowers out there. I think buckwheat is probably my favorite one just because of the flavor it has. So good. Though so I just I think just like that that savory element is what I love to, to bring in because I think it's a bit different to you know traditional baking. Two of my colleagues, Kate and Jade, um, they are gluten free and they kind of swear by your cakes. You know, they say that you have the best gluten free cakes hands down. Um, and yeah, I, I actually, Jade is getting married next year and she's having one of your cakes as her wedding cake. Oh, so, amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I, and I always say this to everyone, but I feel like you have kind of revolutionized gluten-free, vegan, um, and, and dairy-free cakes, you know? Um, and whenever oh, I you. bake, um, whenever I bake, I always use your recipe books because I feel like like the ingredients that we mentioned before, like buckwheat flour or ground almonds or spelt flour, they just add such robust, rich, deep flavors. Um, totally. and I, yeah. And I wanted to know what is, um, where did you get this inspiration from and in putting all these sort of non-traditional baking ingredients together? It was just, it was just from my own imagination. I, um, you know, I've, as I say, I've been baking since I was like five years old. And so I found a way to, you know, make a recipe work. And, to, and because I'm completely self-taught, I think there were no, well, there were less boundaries to the science of baking. And I actually really enjoyed trying to push those boundaries and sort of um, find my own way to, to bake. And so when I, when I write recipes, when I create recipes, I, I don't know. I mean, I love, I love going back to the drawing board if it doesn't work the first time. And I, you know, I'm lucky that I find heaps of enjoyment in that because, um, it just means that I can be much more experimental and, um, and yeah, I just love, I love figuring out what, what didn't work or, you know, what's going to work better. Um, in terms of ingredients, it's kind of like what you said. I just discovered that I love the flavor of, of certain things. And if, if the cake doesn't, need to be made with all white flour then why not try 
why not try spelt or, or quinoa or buckwheat or whatever? And, um, and it goes the same with sugar. It's, you know, I don't make a cake refined sugar-free to be that way. It's just that if honey or maple tastes better, then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to play with that. So um, it's, a, it's all about taste. That's, that's what it comes down to, you know, nutrition and like dietary stuff kind of comes second to that. But I do often find that those ingredients taste incredible. So that's why I like to use them. During the first lockdown in NZ, I um, was obsessed with baking your uh, pistachio loaf. <laughs> and oh my I, God, cool. <laughs> yeah, and I, um, I think I actually ended up baking like five of them every single week. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. I yeah. haven't made that one in years. Oh, it's so, it's so yum. And um, I think you use a little bit of lemons, uh, not lemons, sorry, orange zest, orange. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. It's so delicious with the oh orange. Yeah, that's great. Mm. I should, I should really pull that recipe out. At, yeah. As I say, I kind of forgotten about that one. <laughs> yeah. It's super delicious. Um, and I guess, um, you know, I love to cook. Um, and I think baking, I always find it a little bit scary because people say that there's an exact science to it. Um, and you have to be very precise and measuring the ingredients out and this and that. But yeah, I guess, uh, and you just, you've, you've mentioned that it's, you just kind of put things together. I love talking about this because I, I mean, I agree with you. It, it is a science, it completely is. And I, and actually that's partly what I love about baking because I'm quite, I like maths and I like science. Yeah. But I also, I also like to tell people that it's, or, you know, like to persuade people that it's less scary than, than they might think. Um, because, because uh, I'm completely self-taught, I've sort of taught myself the science behind it through trial and error. And, um, and as I said, like, I love, I love trying to push those boundaries and like, you know, cr- create my own art form from it. Um, and, and take the fear out of it because it, you can, you can be creative with it. I think as long as you have the basic science of it down. I think like the basic, you know, um, how much, how much baking soda or whatever, all that kind the of. The raising agent. Yes. Yeah, you can't really agent. mess with that too much. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's like one recipe that I, I wrote really early on in my career. It's, um, still on my menu today. It's the, the lemon raspberry cake. And I, I use that base recipe a lot in my books and stuff because it's very, very simple. It's just like the same quantities of everything. Um, but I remember the first time I decided to try it, I, you know, put two teaspoons of baking powder in it like I do with most of my other recipes. And what happened was um, in the oven, it rose way too much that when I took it out, it like completely flopped. So I was like, I wonder if I, you know, try this again without any raising agent to see what happens. And it was perfect. So that's a recipe that contains four eggs. And I figure, oh, okay, the eggs are doing all the raising in this recipe. And so that's just an example of how you can kind of, you know, play around and make it your own. Yeah. It's like a a scientist, you know, trial and error, but except you get to kind of eat the errors and the trial. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Delicious. (laughs) Delicious. And, um, Where do you see the the future of your business going? I mean, what is the future for the cake industry? Well, I think, um, gosh, I mean, I think cakes are are forever going to be popular. I think that there is, you know, there is not a celebration that or any kind of event that doesn't call for a cake, whether it be a sad occasion or a really happy occasion. And so, you know, I think... I think traditionally, like since hundreds of years back, people have people have 
wanted cake. And so I don't think that's going away any, you know, anytime soon. But I definitely think that with, you know, the changes in the world, and I think obviously with COVID, more and more people are baking from home. And I think that's where the cake kits come in quite nicely. Um, you get a cake, a quality cake. It's basically, the, they are the same recipes that we bake in the bakery. Um, and I'm sort of allowing people to make them themselves for a quarter of the price and everything's all measured out and it's um, you get to make it yourself and have your house smell like baking and, you know, kind of tell all your friends you made it from scratch. So uh, for me, I think that our cake kits are going to be where where we, you know, end up making making our biggest success from. New Zealand is definitely going to, that bakery is going to keep pumping and, you know, we may even look at other parts of New Zealand um, for a bakery. But I think... Yeah, I think I have shifted my focus from wanting to recreate. Like, there was a time where I wanted to have bakeries in airports. I wanted to have them all over the world. But the truth is that it's a very labor-intensive um, business. And you, yeah, you have to have a lot of staff and you have to have a lot of well-trained staff. And, um, and it's, it's not the most scalable business model. So that's why I'm just, you know, very excited for these cake kits to take off. Yeah. Where did the inspiration from the baking uh, for the baking kits sort of come into play and the cooking classes and the, you know, recipe books? How did that all start? I guess I've always had a love for wanting to share the, you know, the joy that comes from cake with others. And so um, I had a repertoire of recipes that I thought, why, why, why wouldn't I share these? And so when I got my first book deal, it was, you know, it was kind of a no brainer. I, I didn't even care that I was sharing recipes that I was also selling. Do you know what I mean? It didn't, it was never a fair. And it's the same with my cake kits. Um, one of them basically is the recipe that like I formed my whole business off. Um, but I want people to, to feel like they've really bought into my story and into my brand. And, um, and so, yeah, I just, I just want to, I just want to share it and, and I love teaching people how to bake because I love being able to share that sort of self-taught, take the fear out of baking type knowledge um, and make people realize, realize that they can do it. It's not, it's not this terrifying thing, you know. What was your first baking kit that you launched? The first ever one was, well, I did the first two that I did in unison was the coconut raspberry and then a, a chocolate one. But the, the chocolate one's changed completely to what it is today. Um, so yeah, I had those two, those first two ones and they came in completely different packaging. They came in like a little canister thing. Um, and you know, they, they did well, but it, I really treated that as more of an experiment to see how it could go. And, um, and then, yeah, everything sort of, you know, over years of work has, has formulated into something completely different, but Actually, the coconut raspberry is basically still the same recipe. I love using your baking kits and I love how on the packaging you kind of have a little personalized note and a personalized story, um, which I think adds a really unique touch for the consumer when they're looking at the product. They're like, okay, wow, this is, it's not just another baking kit. It's someone who's actually put time and effort into actually developing this. And I think that's really unique. I'm glad that you picked that up from it because um, actually our PR agency over here in LA just asked Anouk and I to, you know, put a document together of like what we think sets us apart from other cake brands. And I guess kind of one of the most resounding 
points of difference that we could come up with is that it's us behind it, you know, and, and we really want people to to feel a part of our journey and our story. And I think that's what makes it cool is is having a you know people behind it. Yeah, I guess what is what does success look like for you? And who are sort of your business heroes that you look up to and, and aspire to be like? Success to me looks like um, becoming a household name, I guess. Um, I, I want I want everyone to, I mean, much like Betty Crocker's cake mixes are, you know, when people think of a cake mix, they think of Betty Crocker. I, I want to be that, but I want to be like the better version of that. Um, for me, for me, someone like, Renee Redzepi, who owns Noma, is my, probably my like food and business hero because I think he, to this day, you know, despite his crazy success, um, just maintains his creativity. And I know that that can be lost with, with hard work and like the daily grind. And I, I admire him for being able to like maintain that. Um, and I see that through following him, him on Instagram. It's just like, you know, he's still so excited by ingredients. And, and so I, I want to be like that. I mean, I am like that, but I've definitely over the years, like it's sort of wavered in and out. So I, I just, I think that's why he's so successful is because, yeah, he's very creative still to this day. I, I also see you as an artist, you know, like how you're talking about before, how you put all these different ingredients together. Is baking for you also kind of like an outlet of your art and of the other things going around? I would say it is, yeah. I do think of it as an art form. Um, you know, I I love coming up with like new new concepts and um and yeah it is. It's it's my it's my relaxing, happy place when I'm when I'm baking and when I'm, especially when I'm icing, it's my, that's my favorite part of it. Um, icing and decorating. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, it is an outlet for me. Absolutely. There's something therapeutic about just baking a cake, I think. (laughs) Absolutely. And that's why I got into it. And the final question, and this actually might be a super hard question, but (laughs) I wanted to know what is your favorite thing to bake? Your one favorite thing to bake. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Okay. Um, gosh. I mean, I probably have to say my flourless dark chocolate cake. It's the basically one of the first recipes I ever put on the menu, and I do sort of say it's the cake that found that I founded my business on. Um, it was the most popular cake for for several years in, in a row. It's just been surpassed by Black Forest, which is basically the same recipe but just with berries and cherries added to it. Um, Basically, it's just a five-ingredient cake. It's so simple. Um, you know, you basically can't muck it up. And just the way it smells when it's baking, and I, I just know all the little nuances of it, and I, I know exactly, you know, I would never have to set a timer for that cake because I just know exactly what's going on with it. And um, and then when you pull it out, it's one of those ones where you can eat it hot, you can eat it cold, you can eat it in any way, and it's just going to be, it's just going to hit that chocolate craving and make it go away. So it's... Yeah, probably that one. So simple, but so good. Is that, um, do you have a bake kit in that as well? The dark uh, pecan flourless. Yeah, that was my first uh, bake kit that I I, I tried right. from you. And it's, it's literally <laughs> like, 
Yeah, literally like a brownie cake. It's so delicious. Yeah. So delicious. Yeah. We actually had a competition um, from work. Uh, we got um, your cake kits and we all baked them and decorated them. And then whoever um, had the best looking one won a prize. And um, I used, I, I, I stalked you and used you as inspiration. And I just literally decorated the whole thing with like fresh strawberries and like cherries and stuff and oh it was delicious <laughs> I think I may even remember the photo to be yes honest. I sent it to you I, I DM'd you <laughs> <laughs> well um, done yeah <laughs> but um before before we end our chat Jordan it's been it's been awesome chatting with you by the way <laughs> um I just wanted to say and wish you the best of luck for future um and I, I'm so glad that, you know, you're taking your business overseas and sort of, you know, giving them a piece of your cake. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, you're kind of taking a little part of Aotearoa with you. And I think, I think that's really special. And, um, and I'm sure that we're going to hear some great things. So, yeah, thank you so much for joining us. And I wish you all the best. Um, and if our listeners want to follow your journey or buy your cake kits or buy your cakes, where can they do this? Well, thank you for saying all those nice things. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so Instagram is at the caker. And then um, the website is, we've actually just kind of, we've got a few URLs at the moment, but the main one that people can go to for both the US and New Zealand is the-caker.com. Perfect. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. It was really nice to meet you and to talk to you. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Please like, review or share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. If you'd like to follow us, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn under Alexander PR or follow the links in the show notes below. Until next time, thank you for listening.